Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. Uh, we have two and a half hosts and guests this week. Uh, the half a host uh, is because Graham might be a little bit late. Well, if he gets here on time at all. Uh, he has been very busy with work, had some transport issues and uh, it's just all gotten a little bit much for him. So he's gone to a dark room for a lie down with a flannel over his face. Um, either that or he's out in the cold somewhere, I don't know which. But we do luckily enough have rachel 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 on the show <laughs> hi Aid, i'm back i'm here uh, that is brilliant <laughs> news so seeing as i didn't get to participate in so much of last week's show just a little bit at the beginning um i've been listening to it on and off all week and it's been great to hear you back on the show but now you're here I like a proper recorded show and everything i know it's it feel it does feel like it's been a little while um i've been sort of here there and everywhere plenty of plenty of projects and things keeping me busy um so uh thank you 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 itself and graham have done a fantastic job of keeping the ship afloat whilst i've been away um and i'm really pleased to uh, to be back and obviously i'll go over a few of the things i've been up to when we get to our news section um but you're right unfortunately we didn't really get much chance to uh, to actually speak to you in person at the photography show last week so um maybe you could tell us a little bit about what you've been up to as well well i tell you what i will and as you say we'll save that for the news section because at the moment i would like to introduce this week's superstar guest and this is somebody that i know that you met and spoke to at the show um Mm -hmm. but uh, he has uh the first time for me to talk to him uh so i would like to introduce everybody to uh simon forster now hi simon how you doing hello everybody thanks for letting me on the show Oh well, you know. So, so we can talk to you about a number of things. You are a fellow podcaster. You know, uh, you are active in the photography industry. So, um, we've got plenty of stuff to discuss tonight. So, I, I hope, uh, I hope you haven't saved all your or used up all your podcasting energy on your own podcast for this week because mm. <laughs> ours tend to run a little long. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm full of energy now. I've uh, just, just finished the editing um i've got to do the levels and things like that which is going to take me far too long because we all have different uh, different sound levels which it's, it's transatlantic and we're all using different microphones and it's a it's a little bit of a nightmare but this is actually uh, a break for me in the middle of that editing so i'll probably finish that tomorrow so this is uh, uh well see that you guys are actually professionals and know what you're doing then i'm hopefully i'm going to pick up some tips on actually how to finish <laughs> the editing when i get back to it later well you know it's 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 Oh, it, it takes years to learn this stuff. You know, there's a steep <laughs> barrier to entry. Now, no, I tell you what, listen, this is a really good segue because actually my first question uh, was going to be about your podcast. So so as I understand it, um, you, your podcast is, is still fairly new. So why, oh, oh, I tell you what, just why don't you tell us about it? What's it all about? All right. Well, we just recorded episode 11. So, yes, we, we've not, going, not been going too too long now. But uh, it's something that came out of um, a Facebook group that I'm part of. It's called Photography with Classic Lenses. And it's been running for about three years or so. And it was it was something that I was I was invited to come along to from uh, um, a fellow podcaster of mine, uh, Carl Havens. He started the group with uh, somebody called Derek Steed. And it, it, it stemmed from... Uh, my interest in getting back into old lenses. Uh, at the time, I had a, an Olympus OM1, uh, not OM1, sorry, e, OMD EM1, uh, which is the uh, the digital camera, of course. Mm. Um, but I, I still had 
my old contacts camera. I had a Contax 159 because I, I started with film and then stopped after many years. Um, but I got back into, into taking photographs and got this Olympus camera and realized that I could still use my old 50mm f1.4 planar lens. Um, by just slipping an adapter onto the lens and uh, I realized that it was just wonderful um, as far as I was concerned. At first I was not entirely sure about it because uh, I was shooting wide open and uh, shooting pictures of flowers and, and things like that and it wasn't the sharpest thing in the world but it was interesting, it was what was going on in the outer focus areas um, in, intrigued me and it was something that was different from when I used to take uh, pictures on, on film which didn't used to really take photographs like that on film, it was always uh, an obsession with sharpness. But uh, I, I took more and more pictures with this, this ice, and it got to the point where I wasn't really interested in, in using uh, the native lenses anymore. I just wanted to use the old lenses again because that was what my interest was back in the day. And um, from from that, uh, and posting on one of the Olympus groups, Carl invited me across, and uh, I, I joined his group and pretty much... Uh, went almost exclusively over to using manual focus lenses and uh, the group grew and it grew and it grew. Um, I think we were up to, I'm not sure it's about seven and a half thousand users or something like that, members I should say, but I think about three and a half thousand are actually active. Well, that's and a pretty large group. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 been good and the, the, one of the best things about it is we, we this is going to sound a bit bad, but we don't let anybody don't let everybody in because the problem with Facebook groups. Aiden, <laughs> we wouldn't have a chance. We would. Uh, <laughs> well, you have to pass the te pass a test, and then you you, you might get Ooh. in there. Um, but <laughs> exactly, and, and, you know, it's 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 a really simple, rudimentary thing, and it's it's there just to because it's got the word photography in there. There are just so many people from around the world that were looking looking for a group about photography, and they would see it come up in a listing, and they would just automatically apply whether they had any interest in using old lenses or not so uh, we put that little filter in there and it, it's 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 worked a treat so and it, it means now that we've we've actually got you know a, a a group of um very very active users but more to the point so the group grew um we then had to increase the admin team because you know we we spent a lot of time on there but you know it was a case of it's a worldwide group so you need uh administrators um, that can uh, look after things in all, all time zones and that then created a chat room uh, for the for the ad administrators and there's I think we were up to about 10 at the time and it, it just became a, an area where we would talk to each other and uh, there'd be a bit of banter in there and we'd rib each other about you know new purchases and, and things like that and but we would also talk about you know, things that were going on in the the old lens world and and we would talk about things in, in quite a bit of detail and you know, we realized that you know these conversations were probably something that the people in the main group would actually have an interest in and and they weren't they weren't getting to see them or certainly weren't going to hear them and and from that at the the end of last year i, I just decided well let's let's do something extra and uh, so we so we started uh, the the podcast at the start of this year, and uh, with uh, two uh, administrators of the group. Uh, there's Carl, as I say, he was one of the founders, and also uh, Johnny Sisson, who um, he works at Central Camera in Chicago. I, th I think I don't know if you guys know that one, Central Camera. In I think Chicago. I've heard the name certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's 
one of the most icon- iconic uh, old school photography shops, po- quite possibly in the world. Um, I mean, it's certainly worth uh, looking on Flickr and things, but there'll be absolutely thousands of photographs of this place. It's got an old Art Deco sign outside of it. Um, you, you go in there, it's really old school. Um, it's just like stuff piled on it, on it, on each other. And, uh, and he's, he's working in this place and it's, uh, it's just, just a, just a wonderful place for, uh, to work and talk cameras all the time. That sounds ideal. I would love to have, have a place like mm-hmm. that where I could work uh, or just hang out, to be honest. I didn't, I wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't feel the need to work there particularly hard. Anyway. <laughs> Actually, now you come to describe it. Uh, I think I've seen photos online of that place, um, it's it, yeah yeah so so i mean great to be connected with somebody who's from there yeah it it, it is um and you i often see uh people that i know and they've gone over to chicago and they've shown pictures of the place and i say oh did you, did you go in and see johnny and stuff like that so uh, so so that's good but as i say the, the the podcast came from this uh, the, the the three of us um, having this 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 chat and uh, and again with banter because we all have different different opinions on things. Um, my my background um, in in recent years is I, I actually buy and sell uh, camera equipment as well as import uh, lens adapters and things like that. So I I come across a huge number of cameras and lenses and because I'm a um, I'm, I'm, I'm a user of these things. I'm, I'm very interested just to, just to try lenses out and see what they like. Uh, I've got admittedly on, on a digital camera, but, uh, but that allows me to, you know, compare, uh, one lens against another and, um, and pick up what the nuances are. Um, Carl is a, uh, uh, professor in, uh, an environmental professor. I think he, he counts krill or something like that in a pond in, in, in Florida lakes and, and that kind of stuff. And, That'd be uh, like like counting grains of sand on a beach, wouldn't it? <laughs> like, ex- exactly. One exactly. krill, yeah. two krill. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> yeah. and, and he's a he's a he's a typical uh, amateur enthusiast for for lenses, and he's, he's got the bug, and, uh, and he's he's got this habit of buying a lens then thinking the lens is the best lens in the world ever and then falling out of love with it and saying it's rubbish and uh, and gets rid of it again um so he 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 has this love-hate relationship with with various lenses to the point where there are some lenses he's, he's bought and sold several times oh wow uh, okay he didn't so much own it as kind of lease them then, in a way. <laughs> exactly. And uh, he's also gone through a process of changing cameras recently as well. So he, he had an Olympus like I did. He, he then went on to Fuji, which is a larger center size. And uh, and now he's, he's bought a full-frame Sony. So, uh, and that's one of the things. You, you get with different cameras, you get a different effect with the lenses, um, just purely down to the, 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 the center size. So, um, for, for instance, when you're using it on a Micro Four Thirds camera, uh, a 50 millimeter standard lens becomes a 100 lens, a 100 millimeter lens. Now, strictly speaking, it's still a 50 millimeter lens, but the the field of view uh, becomes a 100, and yeah. uh, and it's a 1.5 crop on uh, APS-C, such as Fuji, and then uh, Sony, which is what I use as well. Now, um, you get to see the same view out of that lens as it was originally designed. 
So how does this work for, for classic lenses? Because I'm imagining that most of the lenses you're involved with are designed to cover a full 35mm frame. You know, unless you have weird old lenses for half frame or medium format lenses or something like that. So do you find that when you're using a sensor that is smaller than the image circle of the lens that you end up missing out on some of the effects or does it make it better because the edges of some of those old lenses are really terrible? Well, the, the answer is yes and yes. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you certainly uh, do get to use the, 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 the sharpest part of an image when you're using a, a smaller sensor, um, which I remember the days when I was when I was using smaller sensors and people would say, oh, you're better off having a larger sensor. And I would say, yeah, but I get to use the sharpest part of the lens. And and that's what you would say, because you know, generally speaking, when you've invested in a in a system, you've, it, it's not hard to become a little bit fanboyish about about these things. So um, but that, that's certainly the case. With, so with the smaller sensors, yes, you do get that um, extra bit of sharpness, but you do lose um, the edges. Now, sometimes that doesn't really matter. I guess it depends on what you're trying to, what effect you're trying to achieve. But you, for for some lenses, such as the Helios uh, 44 lenses, and there are loads of versions of the Helios 44, and uh, one Helios 44 will do something different from another, uh, even if it says the same thing on the label. Uh, there's something called sample variation, which we might uh, might talk about later but one of the traits of the helios 44 is it's it's actually a biotar lens which was designed by zeiss in germany in the 1930s and it's pretty sharp or very sharp in the center and the edges are soft and not only are the edges are soft they you get the swirl effect um in in the edges or rather you can do it's actually one of those things that some people can just go out there and, and, and do it as if just like it's walking and chewing gum. And then people like me just really, really struggle to get this, uh, <laughs> this swirl effect. But if you're using a smaller sensor, that swirl effect is, is, is just not being transferred to your sensor. So it's, it's, it's possible to get it, but you've, it's even, it becomes harder and harder. With yeah. the small sensor yeah i could i could i could see how that would be the case so it's, it's a double-edged sword then i guess is what you're saying sometimes that works in your favor sometimes you get the beautiful rendering in sharpness because you're looking at the center of the image circle and sometimes you just miss out on stuff depending i guess it depends on what you're looking for yeah that, that that's exactly it and and of course there are lenses out there for half half frame and and smaller i mean you've got the uh, the pentax 110 lenses uh, oh which yes, they, yeah, they, <laughs> I have one of they, those. <laughs> well, there you go. They're, but, but they're they're pretty tricky to to adapt because the aperture on them is is in the body of the camera rather yes. than in in the lens. Um, but there are there are ways to do that. I've, I've, I'm not really that well up on the on the one tens, but there are some people who have managed to do that, and I've seen them on micro four thirds. Um, and they they work really well. Um, so, so what what um, some of our listeners may or may not know is that a micro four third sensor is roughly the same size as a one ten negative. Yeah, abso absolutely. And so, and so that's, that's not as silly as it might sound. Is what I'm trying to at first. It's just like people it, might think that's it, really confusing, but actually it it can work quite well. Yeah, it looks ridiculous, but it works fantastically. And and I'm a I'm a big believer of using a a lens on the the, the format size it, it was designed for. Um, so yeah, it, it's no surprise to me that I like the look of 110 lenses on on Micro Four Thirds in exactly the same way. Um, 
uh, Olympus pen lenses, uh, which are half-frame lenses, they were brilliant on things like Fuji, on APS-C. There's uh, a couple of lenses in particular. You've got the 38mm 1.8 and uh, there's also the 40mm 1.4. And they just, they, just, they just stand out on, on, on half-frame cameras. They work well on uh, Micro Four Thirds, but they just, there's just something better about them when they're on half frame. And, and of course, that's what they were ultimately designed for. And, but you can actually sometimes put some of these things on full frame. But depending on the lens, I know that the, the 38mm 1.8, you can put that onto a Sony uh, without it vignetting too much. Um, you get a little bit of darkness in the edges there. I'm not sure about the 40mm, but the, the 38 um, is is usable. But the, the edges of the picture are quite distorted uh, because they have they are the edges that you wouldn't have seen on your olympus pen half frame camera uh, because they they sit outside of the uh, of the of the image circle well not the image circle but the uh, the, the 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 film mm, yeah this is okay okay so so all of this stuff is uh enabled by something else that i wanted to talk to you about this evening uh, and you mentioned it yourself, actually, already very, very briefly. But uh, you are involved with the uh, the importing, I think, of uh, fi- um, I was going to say filters. That's really not the one <laughs> thing I need to say. What I meant to say was adapters, because all of these lenses need adapters to fit on different lens mounts, don't they? Yeah, that's, that's right. And uh, I, I um, this this actually goes back to the um, what was it, the photography show last year, where uh, I bumped into KNF, uh, KNF Concept, who had a stand there. And uh, I walked over to them and said, I love your adapters, uh, which, I, which I did. And um, I just wanted to say thank you to them, really, because one of the, the issues um, in the early days of the Sony A7, I'm, I'm sorry we're talking so much digital, by the way. Uh, no, <laughs> no, no, so, so this is yeah. about lenses. Lenses are just <clears throat> as important to film photographers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well... One of the the issues uh, with the with the with the Sony A7 uh, Mark II when it was launched was that um, comp- certainly compared to the original A7 uh, was that they they tightened up the tolerances on the mount and introduced more metal into it. Because believe it or not, there was a uh, an amount of plastic uh, within Ooh. the lens mount on the on the original A7, which gave you flex problems and potential light leaks and all sorts of things. It was a case of what were they thinking of, um, but. The, the problem was when they actually tightened up uh, the the mount, uh, the tolerances of the mount changed. So from you could go out and buy an E-mount adapter or Nex uh, mount adapter, um, and it would work perfectly on your your older Sony camera or, or an A7. But then it wouldn't actually uh, connect to your A7 Mark II or the A7S and the A7 or the other Mark IIs, um, and whereas the KNF concept ones worked, yeah. So I, I, it meant that um, I had a, a lot of confidence in their in their lenses. Now it is actually possible to pick one of these things up, and it hasn't doesn't quite work. But that's that's it's a it's a it's a rare thing. But in general, um, they 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 just worked. And I just went over there, say I love your stuff, and then asked them, Have you got a UK uh, importer? And uh, and it, the conversation went on from there. And uh, and now I'm I think I'm selling about. Must be about thirty or 40, possibly f- get close on fifty different uh, types of adapter 
um, wow. for things like Sony and uh, Micro Four Thirds and um, uh, Fuji, along with a few for DSLR. But DSLRs are a lot trickier uh, to adapt than uh, than the mirrorless cameras. I love that you went over to them on their stall last year at the photography show, and then this year that's where Graham and I and Hamish came and saw you. Oh, actually sorry, on sorry. their stall. So, sorry, I, I, I lost. I completely lost my my, my headphones, and I'm I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right so I mean, no problem I was just saying how I it's really it's really lovely how you actually went over to them at the photography show last year um on uh, and spoke to them on their stall and then this year it was where Graham and Hamish and myself came and found you behind the stand on yeah. KNF Concepts stall so um yeah within the year you've you've managed to elbow your way in there I love it <laughs> That, that, that's it. I, I wanted a, a free parking pass. Um, and, <laughs> uh, that's about the only way I was I was going to I was going to get one. Um, and it was uh, being being on their their stand was absolutely fantastic. Oh, I was, I was it was great to be invited to be on their stand for one. But uh, but being on the stand and work, working with them uh, was was just a, a, a great experience. And it was just a, a fantastic experience being there for the I was there for five days actually, but being there for the four days of uh, of the show when it was open to the public. And spending from round about 10.30 to 4.30 solidly uh, talking to people about how to use uh, old lenses on, on their digital cameras uh, or, mm-hmm. as the case, there's actually a rather large number of people that were asking how could they use their Canon EOS lenses and uh, Nikon AF lenses on, onto other systems. Uh, they were probably actually the 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 most number of questions I, I was actually getting, uh, which sort of doesn't really bode well for Canon and Nikon at the moment if they don't really if they don't get their their act together and, and get themselves into into mirrorless soon and do it in a good way. Mm. Actually, um, our our other question that we had uh, one of our other questions was about the photography show itself and whether you had whether there were any sort of surprises with what people were buying. Was there anything that particularly mm-hmm. jumped out at you? Well. well the, the the thing that surprised me most was which was what was the most popular adapter at the show um uh, because it's in you know I, I sell on ebay and and i've just just opened a my own uh, website but the the most popular adapter there was not my most popular adapter by any stretch of the imagination online and that was mm. uh, uh nikon af lenses onto fuji um, which mm. really, which really surprised me because now, you know, Nikon AF lenses, um, I do a fair amount of adapters to those, but not a huge number. And and Fuji is is probably that number three in terms of volume uh, behind Sony and Micro Four Thirds. Yet these, uh, everybody, it seemed like everybody was coming up and wanting to put Nik- uh, Nikon's onto Fuji. That was a bit of a surprise <laughs> to me. It, it's interesting mm. that it's the AF ones as well. I mean, uh, unless there's another reason, because I think you know most of the Nikon lenses. Because I shoot Nikon myself, most of the Nikon lenses that are regarded as you know uh if if not legendary then at least sort of classic lenses are manual focus um so yeah uh, absolutely and the i mean that that's that's one of the things that the world i inhabit um is really all about the manual lenses so i'm 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 really not bothered about autofocus in, in in the slightest in fact that that aversion 
uh, goes back to the uh, late 80s because uh, I had a Contax 159mm. My first cam was a, a Yashica FX3 Super. And uh, Canon launched the EOS cameras, and the uh, and which were, you know, completely revolutionary at the at the time. They were just just wonderful things. I think Minolta had an autofocus system. I think they they launched the seven thousand before it, but it was really Canon that that, that really really brought uh, autofocus alive. And I bought a, an EOS six twenty and chopped in my my contacts for it. And three months later, I sold it and, and bought most of my old contacts gear back, um, <laughs> largely because it was horrible, this Canon was. It was just made of plastic. And, and after I think they still are. The, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, nothing's really changed. They, I mean, like things like the 5D and stuff like that, they, they, they're nice cameras. But, uh, but they, I, I, I wasn't happy with autofocus. I just felt that I didn't need it. I didn't want it. It was, and it felt like a gimmick. And that hasn't really changed um but going back to your point there about um actually no i've got another point i was just going to say about the world i inhabit is um, very much uh, manual focus lenses and you know, like the pre-ai lenses and ais and ai uh, nikon lenses um but it's a you, it's it's easy to forget that 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 world which seems to be so vibrant and certainly it is on the on the facebook group i'm i'm, I'm part of it's actually a really tiny part of the, the photographic world and modern autofocus uh, nikon lenses um there's just so many multiples of the times of people out there with with nikons and uh, canons compared to those who are, are, are shooting and wanting to adapt uh, manual focus lenses so it's it's not a huge surprise that there are so many nikon users wanting to uh, try try other systems really and and ideally for them because they're so invested in their lenses they want to be able to use them on on another system which they can but there are there are problems with that of course um we we do a kind of a, a type of adapter where uh, on the adapter itself there's a ring and it sort of mimics uh, an old-fashioned aperture ring which which is good so you get to control your aperture um these these adapters that i sell are, are just purely manual so they, they won't make your uh, autofocus lens work as an autofocus lens on on another system but as long as the uh, the af lens has got a coupled um focus ring um, then you could have, you can just use the things as a as a manual focus lens, and there are plenty of people that are actually quite happy to do that. Um, so, yeah, it it is a viable option, a reasonably viable option, I should say, for Nikon users to to swap to other systems. Whereas, it's a it's a lot harder um, or easier, depending on how you look at it, with the the Canon EOS lenses. Um, the big issue there is they use a um, electronic uh, diaphragm on them. Um, whereas the uh, all, all but some of the very newish, newest uh, Nikon lenses uh, use a mechanical uh, diaphragm, so which is what the uh, the adapter would make to. But you, you can't control the uh, the aperture on an EOS lens because you need a, an electronic contact. So you need you need the camera to speak through the adapter to then talk to empower the lens to be able to close the uh, the aperture down so it's uh, they were a lot trickier you can you can get adapters for those we don't do them uh, but they're they're called smart adapters and uh, on for some systems like uh, Sony you can pick them up for like 50 pounds from China and and pay a lot more but the problem is they they're a bit a little bit flaky at times and they seem to be getting better but you can get a situation where they work sometimes and don't work others so 
Um, yeah, yeah they're, they're not always the, the greatest things, but at the end of the day, I'm more than happy to be uh, evangelising using manual focus. <laughs> That's really interesting, actually, because I don't have, I don't think I've ever had a Canon camera, but of course I do have a bunch of Nikon stuff, and I have used my Nikon lenses on my Fuji digital camera with, with an, uh, an adapter, and I forget which brand it is. I'm sorry, I don't think it's KNF Concepts, but I, don't, <laughs> I have no idea which brand it is. Um, and uh, it, yes, you just—I uh, just thought all lenses would be like that. I just set the aperture on the lens, and then the camera just sets whatever exposure it wants. Um, but I guess that if that sounds like for the Canon lenses, that wouldn't be the case, or at least for the EOS lenses. No, de- definitely not. And there are there are different kinds of uh, Nikon autofocus lenses as well. If you got if your lens has got an aperture ring on them, uh, then you can just use any any simple. Uh, um, Nikon adapter to to Fuji in your case, uh, but if if you've got a Nikon lens that doesn't have uh, the aperture ring on it, then you you need a, a slightly more sophisticated adapter, that, which I was just talking about there, where it's actually got the, uh, an aperture ring on the uh, on the adapter itself. Because otherwise, you'll you'll just be I'm not sure if you'll be shooting wide open or it'll stay closed. I can't quite remember. They they sh- they stay wide open. I used to have one actually, but I've I've sold all my nikon digital kit so the the newest lenses i have now from nikon still are have um uh aperture rings on them so actually it, it works quite nicely works quite nicely okay well tell you what so you know i mean uh, let, let, let's let's uh can we can we bring this back to the podcast for a bit so because mm, sure. uh your podcast is all about the lenses so what what, what what's what's a typical show like for you guys um that's well we've we've actually changed the format a little bit now um initially uh we were very very encyclopedic um and it was it was a proper geek fest um, that can be fun <laughs> yeah it, 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 it can be um but uh, we realized you know is this we're enjoying it but is anybody else um and, is that uh, sorry is that is that a thing i thought we did this <laughs> podcasting thing just for our own benefit <laughs> yeah yeah that's the theory isn't it um but um no it was yeah, we, we we would start and we would talk about some very very specific lenses and uh I, we'd all do a little bit of uh digging and learn learn a bit of our history and, and 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 talk about certain lenses and the configurations of them and uh and then we would talk about our experiences of them and that's sort of morphed into something uh, a, a lot more conversational for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, it wasn't that long before we realized, hold on, if we actually talk about specific lenses, yes, there are a lot of classic lenses out there, but there is a finite number and we're going to come to an end. Um, so so we realized we needed to do something slightly different there. Um, and then there was another moment where I think it was probably episode seven I think it, I think it is, uh, or maybe maybe eight or something like that, and we got uh, one of our admins come on as a guest, and his name is James James Giordano, and he's a he's a professional photographer, although he's semi-retired now, and he's based in um, in LA County in the, uh, California, and he's been involved with uh, photography for a very long time, uh, but the bulk. Of his uh, of his, his time uh, with photography was in the uh, adult entertainment industry. Is uh, I think that's the euphemism that's, that's used. Oh, I, that sounds like fun. Yeah. 
yeah ex- exactly and uh so we 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 got him onto the show because we you know we, we know him well to talk to and he's you know he's got stories and he's he's a really really interesting person and uh and he has a different perspective on things because you know being a, a professional um photographer uh using they just don't use manual focus lenses and there are good reasons for that and perhaps we'll 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 come on to that um or, or at least adapted lenses perhaps um but yeah we we got him on the show and and it, it's a the, the the show is clean and uh so we 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 weren't going to go into any kind of the the salacious side of uh of, of the businesses is involved in very glad to hear it yeah um but it was a, it was just fascinating and and it, it changed the whole format because it became in, in some ways quite similar to what you're doing here it was it was a it was a, it was an interview um finding out uh, you know his views on photography and and how the, how photography as a professional um has changed because he started off uh, shooting with Canon FD cameras and he then moved on to uh, EOS film cameras and then moved over to digital and uh, he, he deeply regrets selling his uh, his old FD lenses now because uh, he's sort of he's rediscovered uh, the fun of uh, manual focus lenses or more to the point old lenses because you know they they just do things differently to uh, to to modern lenses. I mean that's again we might come back to that, um, but he, yeah. So he's 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 really enjoying using these old lenses now. But it's it's just interesting to to hear. Uh, the the perspectives of uh, people that have uh, been around, done it all, and uh, are happy to talk about what they what they do. And as a result of that, I think our our podcasts now have become more conversational. It's still heavily weighted towards let's talk about old lenses uh, because that's really that's our interest and that that's 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 what we're about. Hmm. But perhaps we'll talk a little bit more about how people are using them and uh, and our experiences of of using these lenses and why we use these lenses. So, so that sounds really interesting to me, and it is something that we wanted to ask you about as well. And you've you've mentioned it several times, uh, yeah, as you've been talking about how people are coming you know, either coming back to it or, or discovering for the first time how how these lenses can uh it can impact the, what they're doing um you know and how, how is it uh, i mean do you have a personal view or, or is there or is there a a theme to this how how do these vintage lenses influence your work as uh, what, what you create what you you know how you see the world well what, what's it all about for, at that level <laughs> yeah well i'm gonna i'm gonna take things back a little bit because um as we were chatting earlier uh, before we started recording, um, I've been listening to the show uh, since uh, since the start of the year, and I'm up to episode forty one or so. Um, and I've been I've been really enjoying uh, the, the the podcast, and uh, it's 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 been particularly interesting hearing the the philosophical discussions. Um, and it's a shame Graham's not here at the moment, um, because I've I've really enjoyed when he when he's when he's gone off on one. Uh, <laughs> I think we're going to dial him in a bit, actually. But he'll come in after the break. So if you stick around, you'll get to talk to him. <laughs> I like yeah. the technical term for Graham, just when he goes off on one. Yeah. <laughs> we know exactly what that means. Yeah. Well, there was there was a uh, an episode with uh, is it Rob Hawthorne? Is it Rob Hawthorne? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. good friend. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, he he made a point about uh, I, I I really enjoyed I really enjoyed that episode. I really enjoyed everything he said except the bit where I com- I had a completely opposite opinion. Um, <laughs> that happens. And, and yeah, and it, and it is 
opinion you know there's no right or wrong about this and uh, there were things like you know if a photograph hasn't got a person in it it's not interesting um and he also uh, made a point about uh, they talked about photography and the equipment as a crutch and um which which leads on to where, where i'm going and there was another point as well um uh, now what was it well, anyway, let's let's talk about the the photography as a crutch thing, and and that's something that can happen when you use these old vintage lenses because you you do get um, or you can get a radically different um, look to your photographs. Um, now, plenty of people are quite happy using Photoshop. I'm not one of those people. Um, I like to take my photographs pretty much how they come out of the camera. And yes, I'll post-process, I shoot them raw, and I'll add contrast and do, do all things. But I don't make composites, um, and, I, and I don't start to uh, uh, put blur into the shots and things like that. I just I want the shot to look like more or less how I, how I took it, and then I'll, fi- I'll finish it off. And there is, a, there is this thing about using... Uh, these old lenses especially when they're really a bit wacky um are you are you hiding behind the wackiness of of, of the of the shot and it's sort of getting in the way of your photography or not uh, and that's that's still one i'm actually wrestling with at the moment but yeah you, me too me too <laughs> yeah. but 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 certainly the um oh that was it and the, the, his other his other point was he likes lenses that give a clean look he was saying like he likes olympus lenses because they they don't they don't impart some kind of signature look about them and again that comes onto that business about the crutch because he in his view he wanted to make the photographs look um well he's, he's using the lens as a tool and then he would put his look however he wanted to without the lens or anything like that getting in the way um whereas I'm I'm exactly the opposite to that. Um, for me to to go out and actually take photographs, I will if I'm if I know that I'm going to go out and take to take photographs, I'll have a rough idea of what it is I'm going to do, um, and then I'll give some real thought to well, what lenses am I going to take with me, and and that will actually completely set the tone of uh, of the of the photo walk or whatever it is that I'm I'm going to do. Mm, yeah it's 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 i i'm a big fan of when we get into philosophical conversations as well uh and uh because and and, uh you'll probably hear that theme crop up as you as you play catch up through the back catalogue there (laughs) because it does come in and every now and again everybody and everybody has a different view on it so it's um uh and i and i guess there's probably in in your facebook group or or in your listener base for your podcast there's probably any number of different views again Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly. Um, coming coming back to you know, why why we use old lenses. There's a, uh, there's an example I used in in the previous podcast, which we 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 go, we go it goes out on a on a Monday night. Although uh, this week's podcast is actually going to go out tomorrow because I'm here and not editing the podcast. Uh, <laughs> Sorry about that. You can go if you want. It's like yeah, it's just, <laughs> that's, that's it. You will you will get flamed for this. Now. Um, <laughs> but um, but no, um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, there was a, a story uh, because. I couldn't do the podcast the previous week because of uh, being at the photography show. Um, but there was a story in there about my, my father and he, he came, he, he comes up to our house every, every Sunday. And, um, and that's about five, six weeks ago, he actually had a heart attack and it was pretty serious. 
and uh, and he he got over it. Thank thank heavens. And you know, he's eight, he's eighty five. So I mean, that's 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 good going to get over one of these things. Um, but the other the other Sunday, he, he came up. Uh, it was the first time he'd actually managed to come up by himself. And we usually have croissants in the morning, or at least. We used to have croissants on the Sunday morning, but now uh, he's keeping off those for obvious reasons with all the butter that's in them and so mm-hmm. on. And uh, we eat in the conservatory, and the light's usually good. And I, I, I quite often uh, get a get a, a a portrait shot of him, just 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 sitting there, just being being himself. I, I don't I don't take pictures of people generally, but I do I do take pictures of my dad. And he, he came up, and I was thinking, I want I really want to get a photograph this week. And, um, and he, he, he'd come up and he wasn't, he didn't, hadn't made much of an effort. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was, uh, so, uh, his, 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 and, and, and more to the point, he hadn't had a shave. And, uh, as my, my late mother would say, uh, he, that made him look like a rabbit catcher. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, I was looking at him and my, my favorite, um, portrait lens is a, uh, a contacts, the Ashika, uh, mount lens, uh, McCall's ice, uh, 85mm f2.8 uh, sonar lens and I, I, I adore that lens it's small um, 2.8 is for a, for a portrait lens sounds like it's, it's, it's a bit slow but that's, that's another thing again you can have arguments about uh, portrait lenses um, but that's my favourite portrait lens um, but it's very sharp and I look through it and I'm thinking this isn't good he hasn't had a shave and so this just let this lens <clears throat> will not work, and I'm not going to do anything in Photoshop to soften the picture and uh, do local local adjustments and things like that. So I thought, well, what am I going to do? And I, I, it came to me, and uh, and as he was there, he was finishing off his toast, uh, which I said, that's it. Don't don't finish that toast off. I need that toast. You know, just hold <laughs> the toast. Um, <laughs> And then uh, ran ran into the the, the front room to um, go go through my lenses because I knew which one I wanted and uh, I wanted to use this thing called a, a Helios 40, which is a, a a Soviet former Soviet Union lens and this particular one is made in 1960 uh, or 61 1961 and you can by the way you as an aside you can tell the age of most Soviet lenses not all but the vast majority of them by the first two numbers of the serial number um, because those two numbers equate to the year of manufacture so oh, there's right, a okay. little, little little tip for you there that doesn't apply in all cases but probably around about 80 percent of Soviet lenses um, use that rule and so I got this uh, Helios 40 out uh, which is a lens that goes back to the 1930s um, it's a, again, like the Helios 44, um, I'm not sure if I think that was probably pre-recorded. I'm not sure if we mentioned it in the recording. Um, but it's a 1930s lens. It's sharp in the center, and it gives us bokeh uh, around the outside. But it's it's exaggerated with the Helios 40. It's a 85 millimeter uh, 1.5 um, and that's another thing with Russian lenses. You, you, they've got numbers and names with them, but it doesn't. You can't really mar- marry the two things up to the focal length because the Helios 44 is a 58 f2, and I say the Helios 40 is a 85 1.5. So it just it means nothing. So it's quite quite confusing <laughs> at times. Um, but this particular lens, it is a portrait lens. It was designed to be a portrait lens, and. The, the thing is, as, as, as you'll know, if you're, you're shooting on film um, and you, you're, you're taking a photograph of, a, say, a woman of a certain age and you wanted that photograph to look flattering, um, these days uh, you, you would do something in Photoshop because most modern 
Uh, in fact, every modern portrait lens is just too sharp for its own good. So uh, you can say, well, that, that's fine. You can make a um, a sharp lens soft, but you can't make a soft lens sharp. Well, that, that's 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 very true. But digitally altering uh, softness is 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 nowhere near as easy as it sounds. If you if you going to make a good effect uh, whereas uh, if you're using a soft lens in the first place and, the, and certainly if you um, set the helios 40 to 1.5 and have it wide open it's very soft um, and so anyway so i went out to get this lens i then couldn't find my adapters because this particular lens um, it looks like it's a m42 lens but it's not it's uh, something called zenit m39 um, so it's got the same thread as leica except the uh, the registry distance, the, the distance where the lens needs to sit away from the film is this, almost the same as, as M42. Um, so you can't just screw it onto a Leica and make it work. It just doesn't doesn't work that way. So I found the lens, except it needed a, uh, a step-up ring to go from 39mm up to 42 and then I had to find my adapter and so on. It'll, it'll Are you still hanging on to his yeah, toast at this point? Yeah, exactly. I'm <laughs> Don't eat it. Keep the toast. Keep the toast. And, uh, so, uh, but yeah, I find I find it. Find the adapter. Go in there. He's, he's got his cold toast and, uh, and but he's, <laughs> he's, he's still in a good mood and uh, and I get the shot. And um, and it's and I'm really really pleased with the photograph. He's smiling. It's happy. Um, and the the main point is you can't see the stubble. Um, you, you, and and yeah, his clothes look okay. And it, and it, and and there's all I've done in there is just you know I might have adjusted a bit of contrast in there because these tend to be low contrast lenses. And uh, and 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 that's it. Job done. I've got I've got my photo. Sounds sounds awesome, <laughs> and, and you've got me wanting awesome? to run out. You've got me. You've got me wanting to run no out awesome. and get loads of vintage lenses, actually. So, so yeah, and, and start experimenting. So I think we we, uh, we should probably go to a break, actually, in a moment. But I will tell you what, one last question to take us to a break. Uh, do you have a, a, a dream lens or a favourite lens? Oh, um, I used to. Um, uh, when when, when you start before off, you started doing the podcast <laughs> and now you're like no. there's so many <laughs> no it, it's 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 a case of I'm, I'm 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 very lucky uh in what in what i do i i come across and i actively search out old lenses um although i you know i buy and sell lenses as my uh is is my day job i have no interest at all in in modern lenses um so i i put too much of my time into finding old stuff and I'll also put too much of my time in, in perhaps buying a lens I've not had before. So, uh, uh, and and of course, once once upon a time I'd be buying a lens and it would come in the post, and my wife would be there saying, "You've been buying lenses again, haven't you?" And uh, and once you've got a business doing it, it doesn't matter. Um, and it's difficult <laughs> to tell whether it's for me or whether it's for the business. Cunning. Very uh, <laughs> uh, um, sneaky. And, yeah, the the lines get quite blurred actually between what is mine and what is in the business because after a period of time, I sometimes let things go that I'm thinking I wanted one of those forever. But th I think I think a lot of the the quite a few lenses that I, I still lust after, and it, and it, it's largely a case of start. I think when you when you started with a system like um, I started with Yashica and then moved on to contacts, that that put me into Zeiss, Carl Zeiss lenses. Um, and they're just great lenses to want to have. Um, my favourite lens ever is the is the lens that I had back fr back in the late eighties, which is the um, Zeiss Planer fifty mil one point four. 
and it's it's just a it's just a wonderful wonderful lens but there are other Zeiss lenses that I'd love to get my hands on um but there there are other yeah, there were some really exotic lenses out there um that go for tens of thousands of pounds so I, I tend to view them in the same way as well they're like Ferraris and Lamborghinis and uh, I'd, I'm not going to get obsessed with them because I'm I'm never going to have them so I I tend to look at the lenses that perhaps one day I might be able to stretch to something and uh I think the um there's a there were a couple of lenses there was one lens I really really wanted and I I, I actually bought it for a customer so uh, which which is particularly good so I didn't didn't actually have to buy it for myself and decide to keep it <laughs> or not um and that was a Mayer optic um 100mm f 2.8 trioplan um which is something of a cult lens at the moment you if you went back about uh, 10 15 years the, the, these these lenses were, they were being given away almost because they they produced the the, the bokeh balls the highlights the spherical highlights whatever that, that you you can get in the outer focus areas with uh, points of light um, there's a very very distinctive look uh, with the trioplan in that uh, some people call it soap bubble bulker but oh, i can't say the word soap <laughs> bubble bokeh um, so you had like a a, 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 a bright edge uh, around the bokebles and uh, and it was softer in in the center and that was something that was <clears throat> quite rightly viewed as being a, a bad thing because it was uh, it was something because the, the lens was overcorrected or some, something on those lines but it's it's become in the last few years it's become incredibly fashionable um so they've it's gone from a lens that you know they were tough to get rid of to now they're like 500 pounds each and stuff like that and, uh, because because they're not very good in my <laughs> <laughs> was that the one that I tried? There was no, one... no, no. Okay, that, that's okay. Then. Thanks. Well, you, 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 no, no, no. You, you tried the uh, the Helios Forty, the uh, the one that I, I took that photograph of my dad. That was the. Uh, yeah. Oh, actually, no. You tried two lenses. Sorry. Yeah, because you all. Yeah, yeah, because you put one onto your Olympus as well. Yes. Yes, um, that's right. Sorry. Yeah, you may not have tried the Helios Forty after all. Um, uh, see, we're on about this. You, 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 you tried. Uh, a Olympus OM um, 100 millimeter f2. Yeah. Um, there's plenty of 2.8 out there, but the f2 is a bit special, and uh, and that's a wonderful, wonderful lens. <laughs> yes, I was very excited and very, very nervous about holding that lens. <laughs> and then you, you went went off into the back, and I thought, well, where where, where do I put it? <laughs> I yeah. don't want to stand here holding it in the photography show. Ah. Um. So yeah, I was trying to work out my exits, but unfortunately, um, no, Graham spotted, spotted me. <laughs> yeah. okay there are i was gonna say just just briefly there were there were other lenses and you can start looking at like Leica lenses and there were some in, incredibly uh, exotic things like from like the old canon lenses uh, ltm 39 lenses such as the, the it's got the uh, nickname of called the dream lens and that's the uh, canon 50 millimeter f 0.95 uh, which is ridiculously fast lens and, and it's very very soft it's completely impractical um, how you'd ever really use it wide open on a rangefinder is just a bit of a joke really but um <laughs> i still want one <laughs> <laughs> well nobody says it has to be a logical thing <laughs> where would be uh, the fun if it was all logical <laughs> <laughs> okay and on, well on that note then i think that is a good time for us to take a break and uh so we will be back in a moment uh, with more
and we are back and we are a better and bigger than ever because our, our two and a half has actually come to fruition and we've managed to get hold of graham how are you mate i'm great all the better for being here sorry i'm late everybody i i broke my van and oh it's been a week it's been a week and it's only monday Never mind. Do you, do you need me to dig out the world's smallest violin for you or something? <laughs> I think, hang on a minute, I've got it over here. In <laughs> oh yeah, we do actually have a professional violinist on the show. I'm, I'm glad to see I'm getting so much sympathy for you for yeah. my traumatic experiences. What do you expect the way you treat us when we're not on the show? Anyway. Yeah. anyway. It was quite revealing last week. Eagle-eared, eagle-eared, eagle-eared listeners to the um, recording could definitely hear me yelling shut up at people in the background. <laughs> so yeah, I think people got a better in, uh, look into what I'm like to everybody in real life. Okay, okay. Well, I tell you what, listen, I want to take the opportunity to hear what Rachel has been up to because you know, Rachel d- disappeared uh, through uh, um, being excessively successful in the in her business. So Rachel, <laughs> you know, um, what on earth have you been up to? Oh, well, that's very sweet of you to say, Aid. But yes, it, it was, um, it all seemed to come at once, as, as sometimes does happen. Um, uh, so various projects that I'd been working on, uh, some from last year, had uh, had finally come to fruition and all seemed to happen at, at once, really. So I, I kind of had a little bit of a sabbatical, as you know, but um, I wasn't effectively allowed to leave completely. No, um, no, you don't get away that lightly. <laughs> I, I don't apparently that's it I'm locked in for life now um but yeah so uh, I'm back anyway and I'm really pleased to, um, that you guys have done such a good job whilst I've been away it's been really good and fun listening to that whilst I've been doing some of this work so um it's been lots of workshops I've been doing some analog adventures some cyanotype stuff um work over half term um there was a, an excellent library project called the make a difference as in um, based on lots of people who are makers and creators as well. Um, I've did some pinhole to Pinterest, which was uh, actually I heard one of the emails was from Ronnie Brandon. He wrote in afterwards to say that he'd started doing his own processing for the first time following that because he was one of the participants and it was lovely to uh, to sort of see him there. Um, and I'm really pleased to know that he's, he's carried on with that after the workshop, which is always lovely. Um, I've finished up my Birmingham pinhole blueprint project so um, I sent that off to the client and I'm just waiting for a few final details from them so I can send them the the final high-res um, files I'm really excited to see how that'll eventually uh, when I say excited excited and very scared as to how it was uh, it's going to look in its final um, uh, format ratio of like three meters wide by a meter and a half high that's going to be going to be fun to see how that comes out um we also have british science week i know that um justin Cornell was doing some uh projects as part of that as well uh so he was covering that sort of down south i think and i was covering up north i'm sure there were loads of others happening at the same time um that that involved me towing rosie um through the snow and the sleet across the pennines that was uh, a lot of fun <laughs> um involving also you know a flat tire and a broken hitch and all sorts of interesting stuff like that um but i was ably assisted by a, a lovely chap called luke who i actually met at a cyanotype workshop that i ran a couple of years ago for the open eye gallery and um he'd uh, he'd been in touch and we've you know sort of like become friends since and what have you and he um he came across and helped assist me with that which was most helpful um so we managed to get over to Huddersfield one week and uh to Dewsbury the following week 
where I was um, also sort of like filming and running running workshops and bits and pieces. Um, one week I ended up on a narrow boat on the Monday and Tuesday and then on HMS Belfast on the Thursday and Friday. <laughs> um, so it was like from a boat to a ship. Um that which was interesting. Uh, did some more work at the Church of War Rooms and doing some more filming for the Idle Women's Institute as well. So it's been uh, lots of fun um, and plenty of bits and pieces happening. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, been rather rather chaotic and hectic, but um, but lovely as well. That just sounds mental. <laughs> <laughs> that is proper proper mental. <laughs> So, so that you, was just a selection. That so, was just a little bit. So you know, you know how like when you get your well, for, for, when you have a when you have a, a real job instead of being a business owner, and and uh, you 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 have to give a sick note when you've been away for a bit. That is <laughs> that is the longest sick note I think I've ever heard. <laughs> but but you know, back to work interview. <laughs> that is that is astonishing. So yeah, so uh, yes, good, well, well done for taking a few weeks off this show to cover with all of that. It's really good to have you back. Thank you. It's lovely to be back. And uh, and yes, um, apologies for the fact that I couldn't be around uh, so much on the Monday evenings. I just uh, just did not. I couldn't find those extra few hours in in the week, unfortunately, at that point. So um, things have started to um, chill out a little bit at the moment, which is which is nice. And hopefully, it means it'll, I'll have a bit of time to work on what comes next. So uh, so yeah, watch your space. Wow. Okay. All right, that's that. I'm out of breath listening to that. I have to say, are um, you? Yeah, yeah, to, yeah to, totally out of breath. I, I'm just gonna, I'm, uh, and I can't follow that in any sensible way, shape, or form. So I will just say that uh, as of uh, uh, just a few days ago, I am now the proud owner of a a Lomo Instax Square, if that's what it's called. Ah, fantastic! The SQ. Um, is it? Is that right? Uh, no, that's the that's the ins, that's the Fuji one. Oh God, I'm so sorry, Aid. I've just realised what you meant. Um, no, no, I got it, so... it's the um, no, it's uh, yeah, I got you right. The, okay, the so folding one that they did a Kickstarter for, Did you just listen to what I've been up to the last few weeks? I'm sorry, my brain is still all over the place. But yes, it's no, the no, one no, I that's... have, isn't it? it yes. Uh, yes, it is, and I've been out shooting with it at the weekend, and um, oh. it's really good. Really, that's uh, see. This is good because I wanted to hear your feelings on it. Because one, you have had lots of negative things to say about Instax, and two, you've had lots of negative things to say about Lomo mammography um, stuff in the past. So this sort of coming together of the two could really have gone horribly tits up. Well, I, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I have to say it's been. It, it's not because I want to say nasty things about them. It's just I've not had, uh, and it's about the cameras rather than the film. You know, I love the mm. film. But it's uh, I, I've not had good experiences with Lomography cameras, um, uh, and uh, and the Fuji cameras <laughs> just frustrate the hell out of me. So actually, this Lomography camera seems to have uh, it's got a glass lens, so it's pretty sharp. It's got good colours and not nice nice. Um, you know, as you've probably heard before, that actually the the Lomo lenses tend to come up a little bit warmer than the Fuji lenses, and and that seems to be true for this one. So it's a nice it's a nice rendering as well from that point of view, uh, and uh, you know, uh, yeah, reasonably trustworthy. And when you set it to a particular setting, you can al- you can almost get a uh, a repeatable process. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. So I mean, you've tried quite a few different instant cameras at this point is this the best one that you've tried and then when we were talking to craig last week he was saying that people have been comparing it to um the sx70 which 
it is high praise indeed and i've not had my hands on this thing at all so um you know what is your your initial feelings on it well i i've never used an sx70 so i'm not going to try and do that kind of comparison um i can compare it for example to the fuji whatever it has got the mini 90 the retro looking fuji one uh uh, which you've all heard me curse <laughs> many times mm-hmm. um no it's uh so how, how does it feel uh, it's a bit it's a bit clunky to to use in because you know it's a folder so you have to prepare it's not a it's not a shoot from the hip kind of experience um it's got the pokiest viewfinder you could ever imagine it's absolutely needlessly small viewfinder <laughs> on this thing um uh and you know uh, as yeah and it feels like the 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 back door for the for the film compartment might fall off at any point uh and partly that's probably because it's designed to be replaced they actually come with two because you get one for the instax mini as well uh mm. but on the upside the lens seems great uh the electronics seem to actually work the flash is is not a nuclear blast um so you can actually use it you know uh to fill, fill like people's faces if they happen to be backlit for whatever reasons uh, and it works and it doesn't give it doesn't turn their you know it, their eyes into red fiery balls and and stuff like that so, and then it doesn't wash out all the skin tones on people in my family who are pasty and white so um yeah actually first it's, impressions i've only shot just over a pack with it so yeah it's a dozen 15 shots something like that but yeah quite impressive still got further than me (laughs) Abe because I've still not got my batteries for mine (laughs) oh my god Rich um the 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 big thing the big difference or the big selling point they make is is the sort of creative um the creativity that you can really bring in with like the the filters and can you double do double exposures and stuff like that on this as well oh yeah you can do it's multi-exposure so you can have as many as you like uh it the uh the the color type stuff the creative color type stuff is that it um has a little built-in flash but uh you can it comes with uh a little filter set a little colored filter set i think it was a uh a green a blue a purple and and an orange uh and so uh yeah you yeah that'll color the the flash so that i mean that's that's really only any any use indoors of course um but that seems yeah, that 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 seemed to work. I had uh, took a couple of shots with those filters. Uh, yeah, just to the kids mucking about indoors. Uh, they came out okay, but one of them came out really well. Um, so, and that was in the first three or four shots that I took. So, um, yeah, it's uh, there's definitely um, I've still got a lot to learn about it. But yeah, actually, first impressions pretty good. Simon, you, you, I mean, I, I missed the first part, so I, I haven't actually heard whether you're any good at being a lens expert. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it on good faith that you definitely are a super good lens expert. Um, so, have you mucked around with these um, instant cameras at all? I've, I did have, uh, I, I did play with one. I, I picked up just simply because I buy and sell uh, equipment, and I, I did buy uh, a, a Fuji Instax, and I think it was a ten was the number on that so uh it wasn't as uh in, in, in incredibly flash as the one a aid had um and it was but it was also just as difficult to work out exposures with it I, you know you had i forget how the controls work but i, I think well it's dark in here so do i move it this way or do we move it that way and and, and like aid's experience it it sort of would work one way one one time and another way another so you never quite understood what you were 
what you what you were going to get. But in terms of actually to to use it as a as a fun device, it's it's I loved it. Um, and certainly, if you uh, oh. whoops, <laughs> uh, I was I hope that wasn't a lens. Um, I was going to say it sounded like a tinkle of glass then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a device for. Um, yeah, take it to a party or something like that. I absolutely get it, and I, and I think it's wonderful. But uh, it, it just just something just triggered uh, my mind though when you were talking about the the Lomo camera, uh, the new Lomo camera. Was saying that the pictures are warmer. Um, that just instantly took my mind back to the uh, the late fifties and sixties uh, when you know there were plenty of uh, Soviet lenses and uh, some Japanese lenses where they actually used radioactive uh, thorium. In the, in the elements, um, so an element in an element, and uh, that would actually turn over time. That would actually turn the the elements uh, a yellow, and uh, and if it, if left, it would end up being looking like a bottle of Newcastle Brown. Um, <laughs> and uh, well, the, that doesn't the sound aesthetically about, pleasing. <laughs> well, you say well, certainly not when it gets like Nuki Brown. But in the if in that stage where it's just that little bit yellow. Um, it would, um, and one of the lenses, the Pentax uh, Super Tacoma 51.4 Super Multi Coated, uh, because different versions are radioactive and some aren't. But that was that was certainly one of them, and some of the Russians. And you would get this this slight um, yellowing, but it would actually give a warmer look to the photos. And um, and when we talk about using a specific lens for some some instances, there are times where I think you know what I'd like a radioactive lens in this shot just to just to warm it up a bit. <laughs> well, that was when, I did hear. We... So, sorry, sorry, I was going to say I did hear of somebody having uh, you know being selling um, one or two of these lenses and them getting totally just stuck in customs because because yeah. they were like, yep, <laughs> radioactive. We're not sending that through the post, <laughs> and it it never made it to its final destination, unfortunately. I imagine that was through eBay. Um, I'm guessing. Quite possibly. Yeah, because the the uh, they do the global shipping program, and mm. uh, Pitney Bowes who handle it. I think they've got some uh, Geiger counters um, on there uh, uh, that they 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 run past the um, the parcels. And this is it's not just happening in the UK. It's happening. In, uh, mm. I've heard these things happening in America, sending them just to Canada, uh, and these things are failing. And there's, there's like a zero tolerance in this. It doesn't matter that. Yeah, I mean, radiation radiation in the lenses is a it's a it's a it's an interesting subject in itself. But um, the 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 short answer is, uh, as long as you don't eat or lick the lenses, um, uh -oh. there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> yeah, Graham's doom then. Because oh, yeah. no. um, the lens I had on the camera when we met up at the uh, photography show last week was the um, one four Super Tacoma multi coated, which I've definitely licked a lot. I mean, it's just so tasty, and now I know why. It tastes uh, like chicken. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so just very quickly, I just wanted to ask you, like, when the lenses are as small as they are on these um, uh, instant cameras, does it make much difference between plastic and glass? Oof. I, I can't answer that one with any kind oh, of right. any kind of certainty, <laughs> other than the thought of a, a plastic lens is abhorrent. So, um, <laughs> so it, it, it can't be good. So I, I can have a go at answering it. I can answer it from the point of view of an instant camera and from a Holger. And yeah, I, it does make a difference to me. My glass Holger is definitely sharper. My my glass-lensed Lomo camera, instant camera, seems to be uh, much sharper than the, the Fuji and the Lomos I've used before. 
there you go. Well, it's just good to know because I know I've read. Well, I mean, I think when um, Leica were bringing out their instant camera last year, they, a lot of people were going, well, you know, a, a good plastic lens at that size is just as good as any glass lens. So it's interesting to hear that no, that's definitely not the case. <laughs> well, so, so that might be true. It might be just that the plastic lenses I've used are not good plastic lenses. <laughs> <laughs> okay well so to move on um graham any news from you on the photography front um yeah a couple of bits uh i got a roll of film that i had shot through my um minolta 35 um mc the little um folding minolta that i think we all <laughs> we all end up with and um, had varying degrees of success with anyway i finally got around to developing the roll of film for the, from that um this week um and it, mine, it's all worked really nicely, except for the fact that across the entire length of the roll of film, there's um, just lines across the whole negative. Um, and I think it's from the, um, the back of the camera. I think something has scratched it. So uh, I did have a look last night to so find out, but I think there might be just a couple of very small burrs that as it's gone through, it's just scratched the whole lot in one line. <laughs> Well, actually, not even one line. There's multiple lines, but one particularly thick mm. line all the way through. So is that's it a, bit a case annoying. for nose grease, or is it too much for that? Uh, I'd I'd have to go around collecting various other people's nose grease. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, so much, actually, it? I've just realised because you've not got as far as that probably in terms no, of episodes. No, no, that's a new one. <laughs> well no spoilers you'll just have to listen <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you did ask us not for it you did ask us not to give you any spoilers as you catch up so. that's it so yeah, just be a, i can't remember what show nose grease kicks in around i don't know maybe 60 something <laughs> or something like that and a 70 something i don't know <laughs> It's it's like um it's like when you're looking back through archaeology, there's you'll you'll hit the nose grease era of the show, which <laughs> is sometimes feel like we're never quite able to leave. We, um, made, we made a lot of friends in those days, though. There was a lot of people that wrote in about that. <laughs> <laughs> a certain kind of person, yes. Um, but yeah, no. Other than that, though, um, not a great deal. I sort of try and sort through the stuff from last week. I managed to finish up, well, we'll talk about the cheap shots, giant stuff later, but um, yeah, and apart from just dousing my computer and my entire desk full of paperwork with a half full glass of water, uh, no, everything's been uh, all good. It might be here a loud pop and Is that bang. what that was? When yeah. We that? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, my desk is every bit as tidy as you would imagine it is and definitely mm-hmm. not covered in random bits of paperwork. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's all good. So yeah, that's what I've been up to really, just trying to get out and finish up my roll of film and my cheap shots and getting my um, little Minox film developed. But I have to say, aside from the scratches, um, that that's, seems to have done a really nice job on the film. The lens seems pretty good and sharp for a small lens and um, the exposures are all pretty nicely balanced. So um, yeah, that was quite, it, it was certainly a different reaction to the one I had when I got the roll of film developed from the uh, Lomo LCA, which had just leaked light everywhere, and it was super vignette and it was very contrasty, and in colour film it was super punchy, but um, yeah, the, the Minox certainly seems to be a slightly more stable um, choice with that. Anyway. Uh, Graham, oh. I, I just, just want to just butt in there if I can, uh, when you just mentioned about the uh, the Minox lens, and um, I've got that as, a, as an adapted lens, as in somebody who's taken one off a, uh, a deceased, and I've got, I've got to emphasize this it was a deceased minox uh, <laughs> not not a working minox um so i have a similar opinion to yourself that uh, if a if a camera works it should be left to continue to work but uh but this 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 was a dead one and um and this chap i know uh, his name's harvey um lives over in the 
Norfolk area, I think. But he, he converted what a Minox uh, Colour Minotaur, I'm not sure if that's the version you've got on yours, um, and put it onto uh, LT, no, no, actually, no, it wasn't LTM39, it was uh, Sony E mount. And I've got it on, I've got one on my camera and it looks ridiculous. It's tiny. Um, I mean, it, it's just, it's just the opposite of a show off lens. And, uh, <laughs> but you can, the, I just love taking pictures with it because one, it's incredibly sharp. Um, it's, it amazes me just how good that lens is for how small it is. When you think about how big modern lenses are, and this is tiny, um, but I just love to use that for taking big, big pictures um, because it's just a ridiculously small lens and it's, it's a superb lens. Yeah, it is really nice. I, I used um, the Fomapan 200 film, which is the first time I've tried that film. Um, and, uh, the developer that I'm using at the moment is um, HD110, so everything's going through that. Uh, and when I went to look for developing times, it seems like HD110 is not a real go-to for using with Fomapan 200. Um, so I was really having to kind of guess at the times a bit. Um, I mean, I have to say, Fomapan 200, at least in the HD110, didn't blow my skirts away. I, I certainly pre- preferred the 400, um, but um, yeah, it was all right. It, it was okay. But yeah, that that lens is really nice. And that um, we were talking last week because um, Hamish actually went and bought um, a Lomo LCA Mintar lens that was converted for um, was it M mount L mount? I don't know. Anyway, he bought a little yeah. one. That... To put on the on his like yeah yeah the yeah. So yeah, he went and got that after going to see you. So. <laughs> <laughs> another lens but i don't know i mean it, it, this is a dumb question because obviously hamish saying that the, the lomos had the um, minotaur lenses uh, is minotaur just another name for a type of lens construction or is it a brand name it's 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 a it's a brand name and uh and there's some crossover there between uh, the the minox lenses and um oh i forget what they had. there was there is a russian uh, version. I'm not sure if that was the one you already already mentioned. Then the it's interesting that the the Russian lens that's on the Russian version of the Minotox uh, Min, Minox is uh, it's called the Corsair or Corsar, uh, I think it is. But uh, it's actually a, it is a different optical design as well. I think it's um, I think it's a five element lens, whereas the Color Minotaur is a four element lens. So one's you're talking one's a, a Tessar, I think, and then. Uh, I'm not too sure what um, what the Russian one is, but the Russian one is uh, reputedly even sharper uh, than than the uh, Color Minotaur. Oh, there you go then. It's certainly very contrasty. Well, I'm, I'm glad I'm getting to catch up on some of the uh, lens and nerd talk. I would have hated to have missed all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, I tell you what, <clears throat> we are going to take uh, another quick break, and we will come back with what well, with news. And we're back, back, uh, well, back to talk about some news. Uh, uh, having, uh, well, uh, and uh, having suffered from the revelation that Graham at this moment is mildly moist. <laughs> 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 but anyway, uh, yes, in, in that short little break there, um, uh, Simon, you were telling us that actually you have some film news. I do, I do, and I, I feel like I need to talk film because I've been talking a, a huge amount about digital, um, and I do shoot film. I don't, I don't shoot anywhere near enough uh, film, but I, I, 
I, I, I do a bit when I can. Um, but one of the issues I've had over the last probably six, six to eight months is I've been picking cameras up and I've decided, you know what, I'm going to run a roll of film through that. And I've got into that habit of what many people do of uh, put a roll of film and start to take a few pictures and then it goes back on the shelf. And this weekend, um, I'm, I'm delighted to say that I actually got through three cameras um, with film um, with the help of my uh, with my kids, my kids and my wife. And those three cameras were uh, which actually Rachel saw two of these and, and you, mm, Graham, actually. Um, I've uh, finally got through uh, a roll with the Olympus XA. Um, which I'm really excited to see what that's going to do. Um, a camera you didn't see, and nor would you particularly care about too much, is uh, the grandly titled Nikon RF, which sounds like it's a rangefinder, but it's not. It's just a, a cheap plastic compact. So that's that's now gone, and I can do something with it. Um, and this, actually, so this this is part of me buying a camera and then selling it on. Because if I can, if I've run a roll of film through it, then frankly, it's worth more. So, uh, but the other, the other camera was um, a very, very nice Fuji DL Mini, uh, which I think you took a, a shine to, Rachel. Um, oh yeah, it was so lovely that it was really compact and just it beautifully styled, and um, it definitely looked like one of those where you think it's going to be probably, you know, a couple of hundred quid or something now. You know, it just had yeah. that feel to it. Um, but I believe you got it for a bit of a song, actually. I, I, I did, yeah. I, I bought it as part of a job lot in a in a, in a general auction. And uh, it, I lit, <laughs> and there were cameras there, and I bought quite a few cameras uh, with it with this lot. Um, not on particularly exciting but there was there was enough of quantity there for me to know that it was it was worth doing and at the bottom at the at the bottom of the box in a in a bag there was this absolutely beautiful uh, fuji and uh, mm-hmm. it's it's a gorgeous thing and uh, so that's now used up now the 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 big thing there there's two things about having six or so cameras with uh, filming and i i asked somebody once um, on the vintage collectors uh, facebook group uh, are saying like i keep on putting lent uh, filming cameras and uh, and not using them and they 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 pretty much gave me an explanation that was similar to something like that of the league of gentlemen where uh, with papa lazaru where i put film in them and they it's my camera now um, <laughs> yeah, yeah i i own it now i put film in it um but they also <laughs> said something about um there's a psych, psychologist that was on there and uh, he explained to me uh, it um, something that sounds very simple, which I still haven't quite worked it out, but it's something called sublimation um, is something that I'm going through uh, with this process. So um, I don't know if anybody's going to be able to come up with an answer there. But the the the, the big news on this one for me, though, is that takes me um, three camera steps forward to actually being able to use a Hasselblad, which I, I bought about six weeks ago, which I told myself I could not use until I got rid of film on the other camera. So I'm that much closer. Oh, that's wonderful news. How exciting. Hey, Rachel, Which two of you it? could start a new Hasselblad owners club. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not, we, not shooters, we, just owners. Yeah, just owners, yeah. Yeah, just I like owners and strokers. No, okay. Because um, you can just enjoy, owners can, and strokers. <laughs> well, there's the start. name for the podcast anyway. <laughs> you can just appreciate how beautiful they are as like an object of, you know, of camera. A camera object that's beautiful. It's so lovely. They're Maybe so you could nice turn it into design. a lamp, Rach, if you can't fix it. <laughs> oh, don't. Oh, I'm in, in a cold sweat when you say things like that. Oh, that's horrible. Don't say that. Um, which one did you buy, um, uh, Simon? 
It's a 500 cm, so uh, okay. oh, the, 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 the classic. Actually, that's a, another thought. There's another camera I've just finished doing some film and it didn't expose properly, which is an experience I know that uh, both Aid and uh, Graver had, uh, and that's with a uh, Bronica ETRS, uh, which I actually loved it until I listened to an early podcast where Graham, um, what did he do? He, um, he, he, gave, he gave us some really faint praise and compared to the Hasselblad <laughs> and... Um, he said, yeah, yeah, it's nice, it's nice, good lenses, and but you don't quite get the Hasselblad look. And I thought, that's it, it's dead to me. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I didn't say that. That would not be me. I, w- I would never, never belittle the um, Bronica. Well, maybe I did, I don't know. I belittle it probably was some you. <laughs> It probably was, yeah. I seem to remember back in the depths of time you borrowed somebody's Hasselblad. I you did. borrowed Dave's I did. Hasselblad. I did. I probably ought to borrow Dave's Hasselblad again. Dave, if you're listening, which I know you are, um, can I have your Hasselblad again, please? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, well, so, so, oh, excellent. Well, I'll tell you what, Simon, uh, thank you for sharing stuff about your film shooting as well. I was, uh, I, I didn't feel that you needed to. I felt we got plenty of, uh, of good value for, for me and, and our listeners out of the lens conversation because, uh, yeah, I, I love lenses. But there we go. Uh, film as well. Cool. So moving on. Uh, oh, more news, more news, more news, more news. Uh, some quick headlines. Um, Bright Rooms. Uh, this will be one of yours, Graham, I expect. Opening their new darkroom facility in London this week. Yeah. Yes, just wanted to mention this because we talked about the Bright Rooms guys back before Christmas. They are running a Kickstarter to start up this new open access darkroom in Peckham. In um, is that South London? South East London. It is. It's South London. Yeah. South it's London. It's where Rodney um, and Del Boy are from. Yeah, that's literally all I know about Peckham. Um, anyway, they um they are opening their doors as of this weekend. They're having their launch date on um this Thursday, um. And uh, you just want to give a shout out to those guys. Um, uh, I, I'm really hoping, actually, um, that all of us or one of us at least can get down to visit them and have a look around and have a chat with them down there. Because I really want to see because they've, they've got a studio down there. Um, they've got big darkroom space and they just want to make it somewhere that can be a really good educational hub for all sorts of stuff down there. So it sounds really interesting. So I, like I said, I hope we can organize to go and talk to them at some point soon or get them on here to talk to them. But yeah, if, if you're in that neck of the woods, check out um, the brightrooms.com, all the information's on there. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a cool looking site. Well, yeah. Uh, good luck folks. Uh, wish you well with your new venture. Okay. Next one. Oh, this one is from Rachel. I think um, Ilford film usage survey, Rach. Yeah, I just noticed on Twitter today, uh, it may have may have come up yesterday actually, but Ilford have put out a call for um, film users. Basically, they said that four years ago uh, they did their last film usage survey, but they know that things have definitely upped uh, since then. So it takes about five minutes and they said, we need your help to complete and share our latest survey so we can ensure we can provide the help, support and inspiration you need to keep shooting film. So obviously any analogue shooters out there, any film shooters out there, it would be really useful, I'm sure, to Ilford if you could uh, put in your tuppenny's worth and um, give them some information about how and why and uh, which formats and things like that that you shoot. That would be really useful. 
Okay, good stuff there. Uh, one from me then. Um, I noted a post uh, on uh, japancamerahunter.com today. A uh, friend of the show, Bellamy, uh, was reporting about a new film launch. And uh, I know we had loads of those last year, but is that the, f- is that the first one this year? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, maybe I'm just second getting second one. We've had, we've had the return of the... Um... 3200 haven't we so ah yes yes of course silly me how could i forget that anyway um so this is this is um experimental and fun packed film um so i'm going to get all the names wrong in this so i'm just going to try and read it straight from the uh, uh straight from bellamy's site uh a company called double film d-u-double-b-l-e have I've just released uh, two new specialist films in uh, conjunction with uh, a group called reanimatedfilm.com. Um, and these are films, they're 35 mil colour films, but they've been treated prior to exposure. Uh, so uh, it's it, by a thing called by a machine, a one of a kind machine called the Reanimator, a device developed by Kono's Uwe and Ralph Minmoon. Uh, the reanimator produces a mix of digital and analog film manipulation directly onto 35 millimeter. So, uh, and they, they actually able to do it with color tints. So one is called monsoon and it says it's fresh tones, like after a monsoon rain, sort of, uh, a sort of green or uh, greeny kind of bluey look to it. And one is called, I really the love bo- that one. sorry. Mm, yeah. I really it's love good. That one. Actually, it's, yeah. it looks really nice actually. And the second one is called the Bubblegum edition, uh, which is a, a super saturated, lots of reds and purples kind of version. Um, they originally had um, two others out, a Moonstruck and a Sunstroke as well, I believe, which have um, different kinds of colour tint on them as well. So uh, lots of interesting stuff there uh, for if you're into your experimental colour tones. It looks great. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I saw the stuff, the, the previous ones you were mentioning, Rachel, and they looked interesting, mm. but they they didn't look the kind of thing that I was particularly into using because I think the Sunstroke has got, as you said, um, sort of because it's pre um, mucked around with it, it had like light marks on it, didn't it, in different places. Mm-hmm. It was like, yeah, which looked cool and interesting, but not the kind of thing I want to try. But these new um, ones with the uh, the different tints them look really cool, and um, mm. and I, I'm hoping we'll also get these guys on because I sent them a message going, yeah, "Yes, we need to talk about this because this is cool." And they they said, "Yay!" So at some point we'll get. Oh, the you spotted this here. one as well, did you? Oh yeah, oh on yeah. On Instagram, yeah. Oh, it's been um, on Instagram. Back, back oh, right, no. oh, I yeah. see. I just I just got it straight from Bellamy's site. Oh well, there we go then. So there we go. There's it. A... The horses asked Bellamy. <laughs> 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 what was that? The horses what? <laughs> Yes, so okay. I'm going to bag see the monsoon version. I really like that. That looks lovely to me. <clears throat> okay, and and just a a quick shout out to a friend of the show, Martin Smith, uh, uh, who is the. Uh, the the driving force behind the the new website and and app uh, photowalk.me uh just a, a quick news report he had actually three photo walks happening at uh, at once on the weekend just gone uh beers and cameras in birmingham uh, an analog meetup in liverpool and one in hamburg as well so good to see photowalk.me getting some traction keep going with that martin it's looking good yeah, and um, I got a, a message, a direct message from our friend Jeremy North, who asked me particularly to say a big thank you to um, everybody who was involved with the Birmingham Photo Walk, especially Hamish uh, and the tour guides, Richard and Jenny. And he also got to meet Robert from London Camera Project, who said he was a lovely chap. So, um, yes, that obviously all went very well, apart from the fact that there was a fascist march going on in Birmingham at the time. So, boo to those guys. <laughs> oh dear yeah um hmm. anyway let's move swiftly on then shall we uh we've got some 
emails. Uh, Graham, pick an email. Okay, um, I'm going to start off with uh, David Wewell's email. Uh, this is brilliant because we've talked about David numerous times on the show and he's finally put in how his name is pronounced. It's Wewell. So there we go. Um, David writes in, hello, Sunbeams. First off, I must say that I absolutely love the podcast. Uh, I'm glad that's up top. It's by far my favourite of any film photography podcast. Please don't ever stop. It's a good job this didn't come in on a week when we had like Mike on or somebody else who's got a film photography (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Yeah, a lens podcast is not, you're all right. You're his favourite lens based podcast, I'm sure, Simon. (laughs) Um, Anyway, after that very short paragraph of gushing, now that my gushing is done, I have a small complaint. I knew it was too good to last. Um, It may just be that I'm getting old and cranky and perhaps even going a bit deaf, but here it is anyway. I find the intro-extro break music, while very good, thanks to Rachel, to be far too loud compared to the rest of the podcast, and I have to be quick on the volume control to save what's left of my hearing. I also found that while listening to episode 91, that was the one with Mike uh, Gutterman joining us, the audio levels between the three of you were so vastly different, um, so much so that I had to turn it down to listen to Graham. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, that goes without saying. (laughs) Turn it up again for aid and turn it way up to even hear Mike. Since I was driving while listening, I finally had to turn it off because I couldn't keep up with the volume control without putting myself and other drivers in peril. That made me so sad because I was very much enjoying the episode. Like I said, maybe it's just me, but I thought I'd throw in my two cents for what it's worth. I'll leave you on a very positive note. Episode 90 with Matt Wells from AG Photo. There you go. I did it the right way. And um, probably ranks my favorite episode yet. I could have listened listened to a four hour podcast. We, we could probably have recorded a four hour podcast with Matt. Um, very well done indeed. Uh, keep well, all of you and keep doing your good work. Um, oh, and there's one little suggestion at the end. Um, I have a guest suggestion. Uh, at Big Head Taco would surely be a great guest, and he's from Canada, so he can't be all bad. Um, yeah, Big Head Taco has had a video go out recently, a really cool um, video about analog photography, which everyone should check him out. He's at Big Head Taco and everything, and you'll find links on there to uh, the video that he created, and it's definitely worth looking up. Um, anyway, getting back to the production points. Um, well, uh, shall, I, sh- shall I answer these ones? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so first first off, uh, David, thank you very much for telling us. Um, yeah, good, good, good to good to get some feedback. So the the show ninety one, we did have some particularly challenging audio circumstances, um, and uh, I did the best that I could. But uh, yeah, I wasn't happy with it either. So sorry everybody about that one. Um, that was uh, yeah, nobody's fault. Just uh, sometimes the interwebs don't do audio very well, and and Mike was a long way away. What with him being an American and all. Um, so that's something that we had to deal with. Uh, and apologies for that. Um, uh, on the music stuff well uh well certainly we can do something about that and and i will endeavor to do so from this show so hopefully this one will be a a, a little uh, a little more balanced for you um other than that what can i say well we are looking at some new technologies in the background uh that we have not put into play yet for our recording to increase uh the audio quality and and to uh you know and for better um, production of the audio in general uh which would help with that as well but we haven't uh haven't got that to the point yet where it's ready to to be brought into the show so um that's something that uh, we were hoping to do shortly so um but thanks yeah always good to get feedback um technical as well as um complimentary about our content <laughs> 
the problem is with the way that we record it um, is that when when Aid's recording the show, you're recorded on one channel and the people on the other end of the call, all of us, are on the other channel. And because with um, the show with Mike on, Mike was so, so quiet in the mix. So we had to push that up hard. But I obviously went up with that and I'm very loud anyway. So. <laughs> well, no, you didn't because I, mean, I, I was just pushing Mike's bits sh- where Mike was talking. I was, I was, I was trying to blame that on me being really loud. Don't blame me. No, 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 no. I'm going to say I, I, I treated your audio properly and you were still really loud. <laughs> <laughs> People can probably hear this live when I'm doing it. Yes, yes. We don't need the internet to record with you. You're only 60 miles away. It'd be fine. Just go and stand in your garden. I'll stick a mic on top of my house. It'd be fine. A healthy set of lungs. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, so ooh, do you want to do the next email? How many emails have we got? There's, there's two. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, there's, actually, I'll just very quickly. James Thorpe has sent one in, and I only saw it very recently. Uh, and it's um, a link to a great Bronica shooter, but I haven't had a chance to watch the YouTube channel yet. So, um, James, I will check that out and uh, see if it's any good. But um, yeah, for fellow Bronica lovers, um, uh, where are we? There's two here that I think are going to be uh, interesting to talk about. Um, we'll do the podcast one last um but since we've been talking about instax cameras um have either of you guys checked out the instant con rf70 yet so this is the new camera from mint cameras ah yes i heard about this robert uh from um uh ham camera company had mentioned about this and it looks uh, amazing <laughs> uh but no i haven't had chance to really sort of like delve any further into it just went wow that looks cool and i will come back to that at some point soon yeah i'm, yeah. I'm on their mailing list so i'm getting the emails with uh, the updates on it um and uh, there's a there's a lot of talk uh about you know uh some of the uh, design principles and and mm-hmm. how some of the engineering that they're they're doing um, and it seems to me that they are putting a lot of effort in to get the design and the engineering just right. Uh, mm-hmm. So and, and I think you know again you know taking a lead maybe from Robert Ham actually the uh, the their other cameras the the TL seventy uh, is it the TL seventy is. Um, uh well regarded in the world of instant photography so yeah um, i'm pretty hopeful for this one so i haven't seen this at all um what i'm I'm guessing it's a rangefinder because of rf can you just give us a a brief rundown what this camera actually is uh well i mean it's it's pretty much what we've discussed so far um it it is a a a rangefinder that will shoot uh in stacks wide essentially um the trouble is i, I can't uh it, it's difficult to to get straight into the uh the website to talk about it because you have to put your email address in so i can do the whole tappy tappy thing on the audio which everybody always loves tappy 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 and 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 give you the some of the details um here we go oh uh, where are we at where are we at uh ah, okay so their their latest uh update uh is uh some sample photos taken with it uh there and uh looks like there's some outdoor bright lights ones some uh slightly darker ones a couple of portraits uh so uh yeah uh looking looking good looking good and 
And I'm, I'm just reading down um, their most recent uh, thing on their website, um, which is you have to put your email in to get it, but that's fine. It seems like a good thing to keep an eye on. And in the uh, sort of the amazing um, organized confluence, um, he's talking about part of the reason, because it's not, it's still in development at the moment. It's not coming out yet, but, um, and he hadn't actually intended to announce it yet. The reason it has come out is because um, Big Head Taco uh, has been making his video and the camera appears in it. So um, if you want to see what the RF-70 looks like in, in, in action, check out, again, Big Head Taco's video. Um, film is still alive and uh, you'll get to see it in there. Um, yes. Definitely a thing worth watching. Mint make very good quality um instant cameras so yeah uh, and, and sure to give people one. an idea to give people an idea just a, a a mental image of it until they can go look for themselves um if you imagine uh a, a, a range finder a, a sort of six by seven sized range finder like a mamiya or, or a fuji uh it's a folder with a bellows so you open up the you open up the front and uh, you have that sort of classic side opening door with uh, and the bellows and the lens come come out um, it says here it's going to run on AA batteries, which would be nice. Um, and it's going to, uh, and it's it's being designed for uh, a long lifespan um, rather than for, you know, so they are making a big effort to, to, to make sure that it's designed to last. Um, and it'll actually, be shooting in stacks wide, won't it? It shoots in stacks wide. Actually, do you know what? It does look a little bit. It looks a little bit like a Fuji X-Pro, uh, like the camera that you have, Graham. Mm. Um, yeah it looks a little yeah. bit like that except the front of it folds out and you've got a bellows and a lens because of course the fuji x pro is an aps sized aps-c sized uh sensor whereas this is fuji instax which is well it's going to be well, fuji instax going to be about well, it's, it's not quite six by seven is it but it's it's certainly a, a instax wide is certainly a fairly big uh print so it's, it's obviously a, you know needs a, a lens that reaches out a bit further <laughs> Yeah, actually, what they they look even more like. I'm trying to trying to find um good big pictures of them. It's quite difficult. Um, even more like the medium format folding Fuji cameras. Um, they're just very well designed, very stylish looking cameras. Um, as Mint tends to make. So yeah, be interesting to see. Yes, absolutely. Right. Oh, then I believe, uh, and I'm reasonably confident you're going to shout something at us now because in our show notes it's an enormous red text. Yeah, this is the whoop, whoop, whoop. This is the like five minute warning because the Cheap Shots <laughs> Challenge is drawing to a close, people. Um, this show comes out on Thursday. The closing date for the Cheap Shots Challenge entries to get them into us is Saturday evening, wherever in the world you are. So, you know, there's some flexibility there. Um, so we've had some entries come in. There's some really good ones come in, but you still have a couple of days left to get them in. Um, email your best favorite two shots to uh, the sunny16podcast at gmail.com and on Monday we'll be recording the show where Mike Padua will be joining us to look over them and, you know, just chat about life in general. Um, and obviously we're all super excited to see how the hosts have done so let's have a quick recap on where everyone is Rach how are you getting on with yours I actually brought my cheap shots challenge camera with me to the photography show in I? and I went around shooting with that and I've finished the role that was in it so uh, I actually scanned them in today mm. <sighs> You're so organised. Uh, Aid, how are you getting on with yours? Uh, well, I, I, I've proofed the printed portfolio uh, from the gallery <laughs> and uh, I'm just about to sign off on it. What? Glad to hear it. You haven't even started, have you? 
terrible. Absolutely terrible. And at this point, I say there's a reasonable chance that you can't even get them done by next Monday, can you? Because it's a bank holiday weekend coming up here. You're shooting 110, which severely limits your processing options. Can you take photos and get them developed by the weekend? I can't even make the show next week, mate. <laughs> terrible so that's an automatic fail fade well no um, not yet I, it's not not yet it's not i've almost we, finished the role okay so uh, oh okay okay well that's something i suppose i i have finished my role um i don't think i realized this when i put it in <laughs> but it's a color roller film which is a bit <laughs> of a problem um i called into my local boots today i was like uh, how long does it take to get film developed if I drop it off today? And like, it'll be Tuesday next week. I'm like, oh, tits. Um, so <laughs> I've got two choices in front of me at this time. Either I develop it as black and white and see what comes out of that. Or I try and order a C41 kit, quick shop, and, um, and color develop it. So I haven't decided quite yet what I'm going to do with that, but I am currently on AG's website. Or, or go, go see some horse racing or something over the bank holiday weekend, shoot black and white, Devon scan it at home, and win. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Instant could photography. I, could I? Yeah, <laughs> could I? Yeah. So anyway, so yes, I've shot myself. But not anybody else. Um, so yeah, well there you go. So we're doing terribly well. Only Rachel is actually on track. So you said you scanned yours in, Rach. I have. I did it. Oh, Woo, oh well today. done. So you've got more than one picture this time. I, th- I think. Yeah, you... I've got a whole roll um, of which I think 20, 20 frames have come out of a twenty-four frame um, roll, which oh, is yeah, good. You had some problems at the end of it, didn't you? Uh, at the end of which, sorry. Oh, the end of the roll with your camera, it started being a bit weird. Oh yeah, it did. Um, turns out, yeah, it just basically got to the end of the 24 frames because I thought it was a 36 frame roll, which is why. Um, but actually, the, the last shot, um, it did make a very odd noise, didn't it? And then just sort yeah. of very stopped and wouldn't <laughs> switch off and wouldn't switch on. And So I took the batteries out anyway, and then it did so- sort itself out. But um, it was actually fine. Um, but yes, it turns out it was a 24 frame roll rather than 36, and that's possibly why. Mm. <laughs> um, but I did get about 20 shots out of it, and I currently have it here in front of me in its little... Um, in its little packet and i've even um written on it with sharpie so i know what it's from look at me being organized for a change i, I think that's good. that's that's brilliant rachel i'm very impressed um i i'd like to formally express my surprise that graham has set a deadline and stuck to it um <laughs> <laughs> i i may i may inadvertently have been caught on the hop with this one <laughs> what that i'm organized and that no, no, the gra- that graham has stuck to a deadline <laughs> So I'm going to try and exit this show as quickly as we possibly can right now, because because le- less said, the more chance I get to get my photos done. Uh, Simon, it has been brilliant to have you on the show. Have you had fun? It's been wonderful, and it's been particularly good actually being the guest rather than the host, because um, as you know, Aid, it, it's it it seems easy being the host, but you you're there thinking that what's everybody else going to say? I've got to bring you back onto track and so on, and I'd just be able to just sit here and just just comment, and I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, you're you're most welcome, and yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, it, we are the unsung heroes of podcasting. We anchors, <laughs> aren't we? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the, when the he what says, was that? When Simon says it's that been was good, I think he. Uh, okay sorry um, when Simon says it's been good I think he means it's been illuminating Illumin- oh well there we go so I have to say Simon um, congratulations on getting to show number 11 
right? <laughs> that is, you know, the, the vast majority of podcasts fail uh, in the first 10 shows. Um, uh, and have you, you've been putting them out weekly, haven't you? Yeah, but uh, just apart from last week. So, um, so yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I think if if you if we didn't have the the, the true figures come through on uh, how many people were reaching, it may not have got to episode eleven. Because we thought oh, this is this is good. We're enjoying ourselves, but nobody seems to be listening. But um, yeah, the good news are people are listening and uh, they seem to enjoy it. Well, it sounds it's like you've had a faster start than we had. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah good yeah good yeah. okay and uh, of course uh, another thing that is uh, uh what we like to do is allow our guests uh to point our listeners at uh something of their work so we have get choice here don't we actually for you Simon? because we've got a podcast we've got uh your um uh your business uh buying and selling the things i keep calling filters in my head but are not filters are adapters <laughs> i don't know why i keep saying that i'm sorry i think it's because i have some knf filters <laughs> <laughs> well I, I do sell uh, cpl filters so um but they're the only ones i do at the moment but uh, no I, I can be found in a few places um i'll quickly run, run through them on instagram as simon forster photographic uh, that's just changed funnily enough um but uh, yes yeah, so i'm on there as simon forster photographic and i've actually been putting a few film things up there in preparation for uh, being on the, today's podcast um you can find me uh, on Flickr under Simon Forster, uh, my eBay shop. If you do a seller search for It's Fozzy, that's I-T-S-F-O-Z-Z-Y. Great um, Muppets reference. My, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I, actually, when uh, whenever I read that out and spell out uh, I-T-S-F-O-Z-Z-Y, my, my two American colleagues, it, it just creases them up uh, because it's, it's Z over there and I, I can't do it. I T S F O Z Z Y. Um, so, um, and um, I've also got the new website which has just launched. Which is um, at the moment, it's just got adapters on there and a few a few filters. It's not actually the full range of adapters at the moment, and I've I've yet to decide whether I'm going to put lenses on there. Um, we'll say on the, on eBay. And then finally, uh, Facebook, um, big shout out for the uh, Facebook group, uh, photography with classic lenses. Okay, awesome. Uh, thank you very much. It's been great to have you on the show, uh, which I think means that we are uh, well, we've, we're at the end of the show. Um, normally at this point, I ask for any other business, but we've racked up so much time on this one. I'm not going to. <laughs> so all that remains to be said is please go and visit the sunny16.podbean.com website our new website um uh, if you're listening to this and you're not subscribed please subscribe uh please uh leave us a review if you if you feel so minded uh we prefer five star reviews but you know four is acceptable um as long as there's some <laughs> cake winging its way to oxfordshire um and uh, you can get us on the internet we are the sunny 16 podcast on instagram on twitter on facebook uh you can email us sunny 16 podcast at gmail.com and and this i'm afraid simon is a spoiler <laughs> our music thank you for, to rachel's band rocker for the music promises i should have kept uh, which you can find on spotify amazon or itunes and it's good to have you back rach have you enjoyed yourself 
I have. It's been lovely. And uh, yeah, really, really nice. In spite of all of the, the difficulties we've had of trying to actually get on the course a day and various things, I'm really pleased to be here. It's been lovely. And that really, really is the end of the show. As always, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, I'm going to be away for two weeks, so I shall leave you in the very good hands of Rachel and the slightly wobbly hands of Graham. Um, <laughs> I, I look forward to uh, downloading the podcast while I'm on my holidays and finding out <laughs> finding out exactly what it is that graham has said about me in this over the times that i'm away <laughs> It's not going to be good. I can it's, tell you that yeah. much. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Really, it's not going to be a surprise. Yeah, spoiler. Yeah, it's not going to be nice. Okay. All right, folks. So, assuming I survive character assassination over the next fortnight, I will personally speak to you in three weeks' time. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Is that a whoops from me or a whoops from you, Simon? It was a whoops from me. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. What I, did you I, forget? I can't, I, I, can't, I can't believe I actually forgot this, but I didn't actually mention the name of my podcast. Oh, um, and first rule of podcasting. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. And uh, and it's very easy to find. Uh, we're on iTunes. So if you do a Google search, and all you need to search there for is photography. No, it's not. <laughs> I, forgot the, I forgot the name of the, the, the podcast second it's, rule of podcasting it is it is called the classic lenses podcast and it should be pretty easy to find so uh, thank you for uh, slipping me in at the end again well that's okay no problem and uh, we will now cut to seamless <laughs> last email okay I, i'm gonna let you do this one okay just because Who, who's it from right? This is from um, Sven Olaf Humberset. Oh, pretty good. Yeah, okay. That sounds good. Uh, (laughs) I'm convinced. Uh, Yeah. Um, (laughs) Hello, dearest podcast gods. Yeah, that sounds like us. And it it genuinely says that. Well, at least what you pasted into our show notes genuinely (laughs) says that. Who knows what the original email (laughs) said. Yeah, that's what you pasted. (laughs) Um, Firstly, thank you for the hundreds, if not thousands of hours, I don't think it's got quite that bad yet, of pure entertainment you have provided. You have made many of my drives to the in-laws a joy to do. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm afraid we can't do anything about what happens when you get there. But um, I have a question for you. As an analogue photographer focusing on medium format, I was thinking of creating a podcast devoted to that subject, but I don't know anything about platforms how you record what software to use does it cost money what about licensing music etc um this might not be a topic suitable for a podcast uh, no i think it is especially when we've got a podcast a fellow podcaster joining us um but if not will you get back to me well no we'll we'll gladly talk about it here because i think we, you know, we're all in the agreement that more interesting conversations about the things we're interested in is a good thing and, and i love podcasts so um uh, over to you guys, Simon. You know, we, how, what's your setup? How because you've been doing this less time than we have, so you're it's all fresher in your mind and how you got into it. You're probably more up to date than we are. 
Yeah, and almost certainly cheaper too. Um, it's <laughs> um, the um, I, I use a very simple uh, USB microphone going straight into the uh, into my computer. The I know there are people that talk about using a dedicated sound card, and uh, I don't know if you guys do that on Sunday 16, but I'm sure you'll get get onto that. But I've I've really we we wanted to get up and running and do it as cheaply as possible and be good enough. Um, and that's pretty much what we've achieved. So the, the, whatever I sound like at the moment has been done on on a, an absolute shoestring. Um, I use a piece of software called, uh, I can't actually pronounce it, it looks like uh, MovAvi, so M-O-V-A-V-I, uh, which is uh, a pretty simple program for record, is a screen recorder. Um, so it, it's not really designed to do what I what I do with it, um, and I then, well, it, it records as MP4. I then export it as a, a as an OG file, or I think it's called an OG file, uh, Vorbis or something like that, and then uh, record it, or rather send it over to a program called uh, Audacity, which. Um, is another well sorry it's not another but that is a free program for editing the uh, uh the, the the speech and um I, I can going back to the uh the, the comments earlier about the the, the levels that for, for me that's a really big problem uh because for for whatever reason um my voice comes across very very quiet uh in my recordings um, I'm, I'm told I, I come across okay when to the other people who are listening on the podcast, but when I actually listen back to it, it's, I'm very, very low. And the um, the recording levels, you can see that visually that I'm much lower than the other two guys, um, which they use. Uh, one of them uses a Jabra uh, integrated handset, costs around about fifty pounds, uh, which I got, and I was still quieter than quieter than Carl, who uses exactly the same piece of equipment. Um, and uh, I think Johnny, he uses some kind of field recorder of some description, um, and uh, he just generally talks too loud all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he turns his volume down, and he then just talks louder instead. <laughs> it's like, Is he your Graham then? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He can't do anything with it. So, um, so like my when you when you uh, ed- editing is one thing, and then I've got to go back over it again and and do sound levels, and I find I have to raise myself by a couple of decibels i have to drop uh carl and uh, johnny by sometimes by five decibels just to get them in the same kind of range and then uh, drop on the music and and uh, as um aid in, in each episode at the end he always um credits um oh what's his name mcleod kevin mcleod um which uh, for him from him, him i can't even say the words um but you'll hear it in- later incompetech that's the one, yeah, and uh, and there's some absolutely brilliant uh, music on there. I managed to find what I use for hours uh, very, very easily. Just it just fitted really well, um, but and then you just got to learn to put things at, at the right level. So as we heard earlier, you don't um, you don't blast people out. Um, but the other, so that's that's on the the, the technical side of things. In terms of you know, what you're going to talk about, um, I think it's good to have i mean certainly at least another person which is obviously where uh, this the Sunday 16 started with with two and uh, rachel uh, came on board as well because I, th- I do think having three people three voices with three different opinions makes life so much easier in terms of filling filling the time so when you first start off you think well how long can i actually talk for 
Um, and at first that was an absolute nightmare. Um, and then you realize actually, you know, you know a lot, or at least you think you know a lot. And, uh, and you just, you just start talking and, and more facts seem to flow out of you. And then when you've said something, uh, the other two people are, are ready there to pick up on that and uh, get their, their opinions in. And then the next thing, you know, you've, you've got a recording that's, you know, in, in our case, we try to uh, get it to stop around about an hour and we're re- reasonably good at doing that but in you know this 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 podcast goes on for a, a long time and it's i think that's it that's i i personally like that i know that some people like a, a shorter podcast but i tend to listen to podcasts in segments anyway so it doesn't really matter how long a podcast is so uh, i hope that gives some indication at least how, how we do it at least anyway cool yeah Excellent. that sounds good hey. Well, Aid, you're the main production guy for us. So, what what are the key takeaways from our, our end? Okay. Uh, well, I f- first of all, I was going to say to to Sven was um, I'm happy to to swap emails with more detail on this, but uh, just because uh, so, I could talk about this for ages, but that really would be a, a long and probably quite dull show. So I'll just whip through it by now, um, and uh, you know, uh, we'll try and get uh, an email conversation going. But uh, well, let's start off with the source. Uh, so we use USB mics as well. We use Blue Yetis. Uh, we uh, talk over Skype, and it's just uh, bog standard skype um so it's it's compressed audio it's not as good sounding as i would hope it to be uh there are other solutions out there but they're technically more complex and we haven't got to them yet uh uh, so how do I record from Skype? Well, my own microphone go, gets recorded directly on my computer uh, and uh, we I, I take the audio for everybody else uh, out of Skype uh, because I use a Mac. Uh, my recording technology or my recording application is GarageBand, which is uh, great for what it is um, and it certainly is uh, fantastic for what we need it for um, and I get the audio out of Skype using a, a special piece of software called Sound Siphon uh, that's pretty much the only bit that I've had to buy uh, other than of course that we, we, we all had to get mics um, but uh, Sound Siphon is a little bit of software that will, will take uh, as an input uh, any application running on your computer and turn it into uh, a, a virtual, audio, virtual audio device in the Mac operating system. Uh, then you can aggregate the local microphone and the virtual device into an aggregate device and record into it in GarageBand. There you go, fairly straightforward, yeah? That that all sounds good in there. I think probably the thing that's might be useful. I mean, uh, as far as music goes, I mean there is quite a lot of um, good royalty-free music on there. And um, uh, Kevin McLeod in Compatech is definitely the, a great place to start. Um, that's where our early shows were all using um, the music from that. Our sort of initial theme tune was from Kevin McLeod. And also um, when we do one-off bits and pieces, like the show last week, um, uh, I used some music that I, from there because it was just easy to mix in with um, all the chops and stuff we were doing. Um, so it's great. There's a real range of stuff there. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a few different sites that have um, free music on there and that's definitely the best way to go unless you've got somebody awesome like Rachel and her band who can provide you with someone and say, yes, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing which um, would probably be really useful um, for both of you guys is the hosting side of things because I think that's the bit that can be a bit more daunting because it's you know you can figure out okay well how you can put something together but how you actually get it onto iTunes or onto the internet um, what the hosting options are and, and how you go about that um, I've, I've just got to say uh, you've changed the theme music have you 
<laughs> from show 41 we have yes so I don't, with, well, you in, see in... i don't appear until show 45 at all and that's when i that's when i come on as a um, as a guest for the very first time was that so your first when, show rach was it that was my first show i think it was 45 please don't listen to it it's, it's awful <laughs> hey I, oh, I can't listen to it but, um, but yeah. no honeybee you're not you're not using honeybee anymore no, no. Not the honeybee no hasn't been for some time actually oh my word it's so much, so many changes. Um, but, um, but no, um, here and everything. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's another good advice for making your podcast interesting to listen to. And when you're recording, make sure that you have got more than one gender represented. Doesn't have to be. <laughs> oh, no, no, it, count your women. That's all right. We like that too. No, it's uh, it, it makes a big difference, Rach. All the <laughs> listeners say so. <laughs> well, there we well, go. <clears throat> uh, just, just going back to Graham, Graham's question there on on hosting. Um, I use um, an, an American site called Podmio, uh, P O D M I O. Um, but I was, I think, I was particularly lucky at the time. Was they, when I decided to do this, I, I thought, okay, well, where's where's the hosting? And this site literally had just launched, and they they had an offer price. Um, which I think it's four times as much now, and it's actually quite an expensive site now. Um, but I've I got in there at just just the right time, so uh, so that was good news. The downside with with Podmeo, especially at the time, and it's still not right there, is um, you know it is a new site, and there were still things to work out. Um, you know, and, and it's the actual main page where 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 our podcasts are it doesn't display the photographs properly and but it's it's a it's a small thing but um i, I don't know about the other the other sites but certainly something that podmeo do uh, is give you some uh, pretty interesting analytical data uh, which i've got to say didn't actually work until episode 9 uh, when we we thought we were only getting uh, 50 50 downloads a week um, which we're beginning to start thinking well, is is this is this really worth it? Um, and then they they switch something on, and uh, you know, the the episode from two weeks ago it uh, it was up to like thirteen hundred uh, listens. So we just went from nobody's listening to oh my word there are thirteen hundred people listening, and and it was you know it was like somebody hit the switch. But of course yeah we were getting more people, but uh, we just didn't know it at the time. Good stuff. Okay, so so to, to reciprocate, uh, we have recently moved actually because we were hosted by our good friend Chris for for a very long time, uh, but we have recently had to move the feed because Chris needed his server back, <laughs> basically, <laughs> um, and uh, so we have now moved to a, a commercial platform as well, and we use Podbean, uh, which uh, seems to be working for us so far. We're only about two or three weeks into Podbean, so. Uh, uh we um yeah that's uh it seems to be working for us uh and again yeah it provides the bandwidth the hosting it provides links to itunes and other podcatchers and it provides analytics as well so yeah it's um it's an interesting one um and uh something that uh that there is there are now a number of commercial services with a uh, with a range of price points uh and a range of pricing models so you you know depending on how much content you produce or how often or how much bandwidth you need uh you can find a, a service that has the right combination of pricing and 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 service functionality for whatever you need 
Yeah, and just very quickly, uh, one thing we should say um, is that uh, the Anchor Podcast app, um, Mike Gutterman, who we had on the show a couple of weeks ago, that's how he's doing his podcast. It doesn't cost anything to do it. You can do it all using a smartphone. Um, I know Corey Cannon has, I, I think he's just launched a podcast. I've not seen any of his posts, but that's just because I've been a bad person. But I think he's just launched a new pinhole photography-based um, podcast. And I think he's doing that for the Anchor app as well. Um, so if you want a good uh, kind of low impact way to start getting a podcast out there and just putting your voice out there anchors definitely worth a look okay cool all right um i love the way that two hours into a show you say oh just quickly this is about me up on this i'm not the one that's been gabbing on for the last half an hour about all the things that you guys were gabbing on about you you podcast nerds <laughs>